Motherhood Incorporated proudly presents Military Mom Talk Radio live on toginet.com. Co-hosted by Robin Boyd and Sandra Beck, the owner of Motherhood Incorporated. Military Mom Talk Radio is here with a powerful platform for women to discuss their ideas, issues, and concerns with respect to the military lifestyle. Military Mom Talk Radio encourages you to share your experiences of being a military wife and mother. This show is dedicated to educating your family about the many resources that are available in both the public and private sector. And we'll be sharing helpful information from women all over the world. We'll cover everything military from helping a family member cope with post-traumatic stress disorder to navigating government programs dealing with family issues to the struggles of deployment along with being a working mother both in and out of the home. This is Military Mom Talk Radio and here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hello, welcome to Military Mom Talk Radio. This is Robin Boyd with you today. It's the beginning of June. I never thought it would get here. (laughs) I'm sure everyone is just itching for summer. We finally have some warmer weather here in the east. I just didn't think we'd ever see anything above 50 degrees. But we are getting warmer, and most families I know are getting ready. Uh, If you've got kids, you're getting ready for the end of the school year with recitals, proms, concerts, and graduations. We passed a a, a photo shoot at a at a local park the other day with some young couples that were on their way to their prom. It was really fun to see uh, such happy young people having a great time. Well, as you look ahead to your summer, Sandra Beck and I thought it might be timely to revisit a chat we had with Blythe Lippman. Now, she's the host of Baby and Toddler Instructions right here on Toganet, and she has some wonderful tips on traveling with your little one. With summer coming up, we thought that would be a great place to begin planning for a great and memorable vacation. We also have a snippet of an interview with Dr. Larry Enders. Now, he's the author of Surviving Serendipity. What a great book to put on your summer reading list. We've had a number of authors on our show, and we'll be reminding you over the next few weeks of some of those great authors that you'll want to be sure are in your bag before you head to the beach or to the lake. And then rounding out this show is a chat with Dr. Suzanne Phillips, discussing how we can heighten our communication with someone who's a distance away. Also, just to look ahead to the end of the summer, we have our 200th show celebration coming up on September 8th. We'll have lots more to tell you about that in the coming weeks and invite you to tell us what you've enjoyed over the years and what you'd like to hear as we move ahead into our future shows. But first, let's get started with our chat with Blythe Lippman. Blythe Lippman is a baby and toddler expert. She's the author of some great guides for parents, including Help My Baby Came Without Instructions and Help My Toddler Came Without Instructions. Boy, isn't that the truth. If you were in the Scottsdale, Arizona area, you would have seen Blythe on Arizona Midday on KPNX Channel 12. And she's a frequent uh contributor to the daily dish segments on she knows tv and the rest of us around the country if you're not in that neck of the woods can always tune into her radio show right here on toganet baby and toddler instructions every wednesday at 11 a.m eastern and boy i do my best to be there blithe with you every wednesday welcome 
Yay, you're my great supporter. My <laughs> headphones don't fit. You made my head swell. Thank you, Robin. I'm so excited to be on the show. Well, Blythe, I know on your show we've talked, uh, you have talked a number of times about traveling with fa- with little ones. And um, in your newest book, you've, you've kind of addressed that quite a bit. Um, and I think especially for families with either one parent deployed or families who are in a new location due to a PCS move, these tips are even more valuable. So maybe we could talk a little bit about car trips with baby and then possibly we can ramp up to tips on toddler traveling well you know my chapter in help my toddler came without instructions it's called oh the places will go oh and it's, lovely. and it's all about whether you're traveling by car or by plane or whatever you're doing you know the biggest the things that i think are so important is plan ahead don't wait till the last minute and what really saves parents if you're in a car trip or if you're a single parent and daddy's deployed or mommy's deployed and you're driving, you know what? Have something different for the baby or the toddler to do. Go to the dollar store and purchase something that's age appropriate and safe. And, you know, something new keeps their attention more. Sure. Also, also I love having CDs where you can sing along. Um, I, I read a really interesting article online about sippy cups because I've always said You know, it's important to make sure you have plenty of snacks for your children no matter what age because stopping at those, you know, on the side of the road can be really expensive. Mm -hmm. And they don't always have what your little ones eat. Um, But taking water, if you take a sippy cup, it's really important to put water only, fill it halfway because if it spills, you're not going to have sticky stuff all over the car or if you're Mm -hmm. on a plane. But I read an interesting article, Robin, about a mom that gave her toddler a sippy cup. He was in his car seat in the back. And I don't know what happened if she hit a bump or something, but this Mm -hmm. sippy cup went flying and hit the kid in the head and gave him a concussion. A concussion. And they had to go to the emergency room. And, you know, it was like a flying object. So I am going to say, if you're going to give your kids sippy cups, you know what? If they can use a paper cup or pull over, if you're on a highway that you're going 65 miles an hour, I mean, if that thing goes flying, and, you know, sometimes toddlers do throw, believe it or not, and they could hit you in the head. Wow. Yeah, and there you go. It just takes that one instance and you could be off the side of the road. Absolutely. And you know, if you have older children, it's the same thing. You know, a lot of times older older children like to draw or, you know, they we talk about video games, but let's not even get into that. Mm-hmm. But make sure you have things to entertain your older children. You know, older children, seven, eight, nine, they get bored too, and it's hard to sit. It's hard to sit still for all of us, even adults, if we're going on a trip. So healthy snacks, and I find that the older kids want to eat a lot more than the younger ones, and they always want to stop, and they go, I have to go to the bathroom every five minutes because they're bored. Well, sure, sure. And then the other thing that I always would worry about would be the choking. Yes. Even even a, a, a cracker or a little piece, if they just swallow it the wrong way and it just gets stuck, then you've got that choking concern. Absolutely. And, you know, some of the video games are good. Not everybody has a car with a movie screen in it. But, you know, you can certainly take a little video player and let them mm-hmm. watch something on a trip. Something they haven't seen, or if it's a younger child, something educational thrown in, and an older one that let them read a book. You know what? A lot of schools have book lists for the summer that Mm. they want the children to read. 
Right. And that's the perfect thing. Um, what about anxiety for uh, little ones being in a different environment? You get out of the car, you've got this screaming kid. What are some things, and I know we've only got about three minutes before the break already, but um, what can parents do to ease that anxiety when you've got a little one that's just out of sorts? First of all, don't react. Stay calm. Because if mm-hmm. you if you get nervous, they sense your nervousness. You know what? Make it fun. If you're getting out of the car and they're scared or they're screaming or they're crying, especially the little toddlers, you know, two, three, four, it's, it's easy to change up what you're doing. You know, say, look at the flower over there. Let's see how many green things we can find. Just redirect them. And if you can't, give them a big hug and go with it and they'll calm down eventually because it's tough. You know, change is tough. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I remember going to a family reunion and our little guy was just, he'd had it. <laughs> he'd had it. And and it, I think it is difficult. And you're right. It's so hard when a parent is in with a bunch of other adults and then you've, you're the only one that has the kids that are, that are screaming. Blythe, I, I want to just focus a little bit on your new book, uh, Help My Toddler Came Without Instructions. Where can we find this and where can we find more tips about it? You can go to Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Audible.com. You can go to my website, which is new and improved. I'm so excited, BabyInstructions.com. <laughs> if you have a question, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. You know, email me a question if you have something you don't know how to handle with a toddler mm-hmm. and or if you can't find the book. Plus, you have virtual coaching as well for services. Is that correct? I do in-home if you live in Arizona. If I do video if you have Skype. Sometimes people will say, look, my baby's screaming and, and put it on Skype. And I, I do in-home video and I also do telephone consults. So I'm available all over the world. You Just are. call me. And I love That's- it. and even though I don't have little ones anymore I just eat it all up because I love talking with you and I love all of the discussions that you have Blythe thanks so much for joining me this first segment I know so many people are traveling and I know all the tips you have in your new book are going to help make their summer the best one yet thanks Robin I love talking to you you have a great show the rest of the time you have a great afternoon too Blythe thanks so much all right bye-bye Well, coming up in the rest of the show, uh, we have Dr. Lawrence Enders coming. Uh, He is an MD, a flight surgeon, a colonel, a a commander of the U.S. Air Force School of Aerospace Medicine. He has had an extensive career, and his book, Surviving Serendipity, is going to detail it all. And after Dr. Enders, we have Dr. Suzanne Phillips joining us to talk about heightening those relationships when we're apart. Be back in a moment. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. And a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. 
This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. It's talking smack with Beth, the real sports mom. It's one hour of hot topics that matter to sports moms and athletes. We'll be bringing you tips and advice from the leaders in youth sports today, as well as some inspiring stories from athletes and sports moms. With our own Sports Moms Roundtable, you're invited to be part of our show. We strive to educate and empower sports moms everywhere. Join us for Talkin' Smack with Beth, the real sports mom, every Thursday at 12 noon central, right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Welcome back, everyone. This is Military Mom Talk Radio, and we just had a little visit from Blythe Lippman. She is the host of Baby and Toddler Instructions right here on Tokenet every Wednesday at 11 a.m. We have Dr. Suzanne Phillips joining us in just a little bit. Uh, She has been with us a number of times, and she is a licensed psychologist that helps us with so many issues that uh, are so important to all of our families. But first, I'd like to introduce you to Dr. Lawrence Enders, MD, flight surgeon, a colonel in the U.S. Air Force. And I did say an incorrect title, but what I meant was he was the uh, in command of the U.S. Air Force School of Aerospace Medicine for a bit of a time. Dr. Enders, are you with us? I'm with you. This is Robin Hi. speaking to, I believe. <laughs> it is Robin. Welcome. Thank you. For Thank, you. Me to the show. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Enders. Well, <laughs> I have got to say, your book has has truly been an adventure to read. It is um, a, a wonderful memoir, and I have to say, this is a far cry from a regular hometown physician. <laughs> I guess the draft in the 1950s kind of. Uh, put that all out the window, didn't it? Yeah, yes, it did. And then as soon as I finished uh, medical school, they were there looking for me and said, well, well, have I got a deal for you? That was a favorite saying. 
<laughs> you have a choice of going in the Army, the Navy, or the Air Force. That's your choice. And I took the Air Force because I love airplanes. <laughs> Did you always uh, envision that uh, flying may be a part of your future, or was this just something that it was uh, the better of the uh, um, other? No, I had never thought I would be flying, uh, but I, I loved watching airplanes. I had been on an airplane ride before. I liked model airplanes, and I thought, well, I've always wanted to get in an airplane, particularly in a jet. Mm. And so all those things came true, especially down the line after I went to uh, jet pilot school. And therefore, the beginning of a series of serendipitous events in your life. Um, You're right. (laughs) One of the things that I noticed in your book was such detail of the chronology of all of these life experiences that you've had. Did you take keep a diary? Did you keep notes? Did you journal at all through all of these years that you served? No, I didn't really keep a diary. I just happened to be a pack rat. And <laughs> so on each uh, adventure that I was on, there was always something I could bring back uh, to remember it by. <clears throat> and pictures. Now, when I was one of the doctors for the astronauts, I had pictures of all the astronauts, some of them signed directly to me. I was able to collect uh, the personal signatures of all the first three groups of astronauts, which I have. And some of them were my closer friends, and from the space flight, they would bring something back. Uh, Tom Stafford went to the moon, and uh, he took a silver pen with him with his name engraved on it, which he gave me. uh, Memorabilia, like that, so... With the boxes full of memorabilia, all I had to do was go through it and sort it out time-wise and remember the stories. Pretty much just memory. Was was writing this book uh, sort of a culmination for you to be able to look back, or were you prompted by other people saying your experiences are astounding and we want to really know more? Well, I kept a little... Uh, it wasn't exactly a log book, but of the memorabilia that uh, entailed pictures and uh, writings and things like that, I kept a scrapbook. And mm. uh, kids would come, friends and neighbors would see it and say, wow, look at all these stuff. What about this? What about this? And we'd end up about three hours into the story. they say, you need to write a book about this stuff. <laughs> um, especially being the serendipitous events that they were. Everybody has serendipitous events. Uh, once or twice in their life. And as I say, if I'm giving a talk, uh, if you get them once or twice, you tell your friends. If you get them over a dozen times, you write, you write a book. <laughs> yeah. Which is really Well, it, it really was, as I say, reading through it, uh, an adventure, because we it, you have a wonderful way of inviting people into the events that happen rather than just chronicling them. Um, a wonderful read. Talk about diverse experiences from being the doctor for the Mercury and Gemini astronauts to um, helping to build a small hospital at a jungle base to flying 75 combat missions. I would think that I was talking to somebody 112 years old. (laughs) 
because I can't imagine fitting. No, 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 far from it. And that's why I mean what an extreme. Because uh, so many things have have, uh, occurred in such uh, a short span of time. What, how did the aerospace uh, events come into play? Uh, I'm sure from being a flight surgeon and, and all of a sudden being invited to be a part of the uh, um, aerospace. Astronauts, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, well, of course, I took a residency in aerospace medicine that was given to me by the Air Force, paid for, uh, which is a four-year program, including going to jet pilot school. Oh. And uh, then getting a master's degree at uh, Cal, and then going through all the survival schools, and then going to two more years of academics, and then now I'm now a board-certified specialist in aerospace medicine. And about that time, when I finished it, NASA was getting into the space program, and they were starting to get guys to go up in space, and they realized that they didn't have enough physicians to be, to be in all the tracking sites all around the world. Oh, I see. And so uh-huh. they went to the Air Force and said, do you have any specialists in aerospace medicine? And they said, yes, we do. And said that we would like to borrow some for a few years. And they selected me as one of them. Borrow them. That's how that part came about. <laughs> I like that. Borrow them. Um, And I'm sure that that in and of itself could have just been an amazing experience. One of the chapters in in your book, you say that astronauts are only human. (laughs) What did you mean by that? Well, I I think a lot of people, uh, you know, what they read in the paper and saw in magazines and these uh, seven astronauts were chosen, and then a group of nine, then a group of 13. And they probably thought these were really supermen, super strong, super everything. Mm. They were smart guys. They were physically well. But as it turned out, they, are, they were likely to get the same things that any other guy down the street. If we look back at the astronauts, all the astronauts we've had, uh, over the years, and I know it goes back a ways, but 47 of our astronauts have died, including five out of the original seven. And mm. you say, well, there must have been all those accidents. A- accidents were a big part of it. But six died of heart attacks, seven had cancer, two had brain uh, tumors, uh, only two of the original seven are around. So they eventually came down or had, unseen by the medical staff, uh, mm-hmm. All the things that you might see in your neighbors up and down the street. Yeah, yeah. One of the uh, chapters in your book was interesting regarding the Russian KGB agents. Now, how did you come to have a relationship with uh, <laughs> KGB agents? Well, uh, any any physician who is, is even, especially if you're a specialist. Each year, you have to go and get continuing medical education credits to keep up on everything. Otherwise, your mm-hmm. license isn't repeated. And uh, on one of them, I was at an international aerospace medical meeting in Washington, D.C., uh, in a huge hotel there, and they had lectures and uh, movies and instruments and all the equipment, and they had a bunch of uh, booths, ex- exhibitors were there, too. And I was walking down this this row of exhibitors and came to one that had a Soviet Union emblem on it. But there was nothing in it except three guys standing in there, one closer hmm. to the front of the counter. And as I walked by, he said to me, 
Dr. Enders, how are things at the school? At this time, oh. I was commander at the school. And I looked at him. I had never seen this man before in my life. And I said, uh, excuse me, do I know you? He said, no, but we know you. <laughs> can I have? Can we have our picture taken with you? And he has their picture taken. And I said, well, I guess that's okay. He says, let's go out into the parking lot for this. And I said, I was kind of thinking, maybe this is not too bright. So we did go out. They took the pictures. I reported all this to the uh, OSI, who reported it to the FBI after it came back, which was required by military law. If you're approached by a foreign national, you have to uh, report this. I see, And the yes. FBI came uh, to see me and said, oh, uh, did you did you ever get pictures of the copy of those pictures? I said no. Well, write to them and ask them for copies of the pictures. So the FBI was behind me in communicating with these guys, and I did for about four years before the main one I was talking to disappeared. Oh because dear! Because he was writing me things in his letters that were too nice. He was on Amman <laughs> Jordan and said, "Oh, we really like it here." Because they have Western music, and the clothing is Western. My wife loves it here. Suddenly, the communication was cut off. Oh, uh, no. But but after almost 30 years, I have found this man again. He's near oh. dead. Uh, and I communicate him, and he is so terribly uh, unhappy about the Soviet Union now. Yeah. And he writes me I, letters and saying Isn't that... that- yeah, isn't that that's so I'm glad that you reconnected. Dr. Enders, I'm going to encourage everybody to read more about this story in your book Surviving Serendipity. They can find it at your website survivingserendipity.com, correct? You can look up www.survivingserendipity all in word.com. Uh you can find it with Amazon. Just go to Amazon Books and look for Surviving Serendipity. Um, that's wonderful. Thanks so much. I'm so sorry. It's out out there wherever you normally look. That's wonderful. Thanks. Thank you for having me on. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central, Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Jirasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward with tips, tools, and advice and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi. Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Doginet.com. It's time to capture the simple piece of the Amish in your own life. Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods-Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central. Each week, Suzanne will have conversations with guests about living a life that incorporates principles of the Amish without going Amish. She'll cover the practical, simplicity, slowing down, reducing clutter, putting the brakes on materialism, 
the historical. How have the Amish survived for 400 years? How can we hold on to what we hold dear? And the spiritual, treasuring important values, honoring the past, and increasing peace of mind. You don't have to become Amish to make personal peace a reality. Amish wisdom will help all of us live a simpler life. For more information, go to SuzanneWoodsFisher.com. With Amish wisdom, Suzanne offers us a glimpse into a world of peace, serenity, and total commitment to family and God. This show just might change the way you live your life. It's Amish Wisdom with Suzanne Woods Fisher. Thursday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Welcome back, everyone. This is Robin Boyd with you today for Sandra Beck. I wanted to remind you that if you've missed any of this show or any of our other shows, you're always welcome to find us at MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Click on the Broadcasts tab and you can find any of our hours of um, family-friendly free programming that you can download to, to listen to at your leisure. You can find us on iTunes and you can always find us right here at Toganet.com. I'm so excited to chat with Dr. Suzanne Phillips. She's a licensed psychologist. She's worked with couples for over 25 years in the aftermath of trauma and has provided direct service to civilians and uniformed responders, trained other professionals, published on bereavement, trauma, uniformed services, and couples. Dr. Suzanne, are you with us today? I'm right here. Yay! <laughs> Hello, welcome. <laughs> I'm glad you're Thank with you. us today. How are you? Oh, great! Yeah, happy to I, be here. I hope that you're in a cool spot. I'm okay. Yes, <laughs> we're okay here in New York. It's not too bad today. I spent the weekend in Vermont at a wedding, so uh, it's been good. How about you? Where are you? New Hampshire. So we're just behind you. You okay. always get. It's about 12 hours ahead of us, so if you're having a good day today, okay. then tomorrow will be great for us. <laughs> well, we've had a number of discussions with you uh, over the course of our show, and we're so appreciative of you visiting with us. Um, one of the things that we wanted to focus a little bit on today was the new findings that you might want to share with us um, on the unexpected benefits of long-distance relationships. And, I mean, we can all attest to being separated. I know if I've gone away, in fact, my daughter's up in Vermont, and I've gone away, and then, of course, it's really fun coming home. I haven't seen my husband in a in a couple of days, and that that's always wonderful. But when we're talking about the military, we're talking about a number of dynamics. We're talking about long separation. We're talking about the stress that that separation is under. Um, how, how can couples cope and maintain? And we have a whole gambit of things to talk about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, when I saw this study, um, it, it seemed to find something that I thought was very translatable for our military couples. Because sometimes there's an assumption, a worry, 
oh, my God, when we are separated, things won't go well between us. I mean, we even know statistically that one of the most upsetting things to anyone deployed is to in some way be in contention or feel like the partner at home no longer loves them or things are not going well. So when I came across this study that found – can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah. Okay. When, when I came across this study that found that the relationship stability, satisfaction, and trust reported by long-distance couples was equal to or better than those at a close, you know, close distance, hmm. you know, close um, yeah. at home, I thought, well, why did this happen and what can we learn from it? What's interesting about this study, Robin, is we have loads of definitions of intimacy. You know, we have emotional intimacy, the sharing of feelings, the expressions of affection, sexual intimacy. We have experiential intimacy, meaning you spend time with each other, you've had children together, you've painted houses together, and then we have the what we would call interpersonal or verbal intimacy. And Mm. what's interesting is that that's how it was defined in this particular study. This study looked at intimacy in terms of the expressions of shared closeness, disclosure, and the back-and-forth interpersonal relationship between people who are at a distance by virtue of the phone, Mm -hmm. email, text, videos, etc. And a very interesting thing really unfolds, and that is one of the things it's worth, it's worth us all knowing this, and that is when we're in a long-distance relationship, what they saw that the couples did is adapt to the fact that they couldn't physically show intimacy, and so an interesting thing happened. They studied two pieces of communication that, in, that really enhances intimacy that I think we overlook. We're always telling couples, communicate. People writing books say if there's no communication, there's no relationship. So here's mm-hmm. what they broke it down to. They said communication enhances intimacy when it includes self-disclosure. So the first step was how many times I disclose and how many times my spouse who's deployed discloses. And I might disclose, um, usually they, we, they found with long-distance folks, I might disclose, I really miss you, or mm-hmm. let me tell you what's going on here that's very interesting, that's very positive, and how many times that person disclosed back. But the most significant thing was the next step, and that is the perceived response of your partner. And Mm. they found that with long-distance partners, they tended, first of all, they tended to disclose much more, both. Because, remember, they were using language as a way to be intimate. They Mm -hmm. tended to disclose more positives than negatives. There was less contention, less cynicism, less bringing up of problems. But the really important factor was that the perceived response. And what was positive about that received response was when it, in fact, validated the disclosure. So if I said, I had a good day today, um, the kids really got to school and we got to all of the games on time, when that 
perceived response was, you're really good at handling the kids. I don't know how you manage it. Mm. That means I got mm. some affirmation for my disclosure. When, in addition, the respondent said something caring or loving or affirming like, just know how much I love you, or don't forget, I'm thinking about you a lot, that even added to the positive response. So when they compared the disclosures and the perceived responses of those folks who had close contact as opposed to long distance, there were many, many more positive self-disclosures and perceived responses in the long distance group. There was also more idealization of the partners. Now, we could think that this might provide a problem, but another study I'm going to tell you about will, will, will show you how valuable these dynamics are. Mm -hmm. So when you have to think about your partner and you're only hearing from him or her by text, iMessage, uh, email, or phone, you have to hold on to what was said and use it as the basis for thinking about that person. If you've ever, this has happened to me, if you're thinking about your partner or even one of right. your kids and you're driving, sure. you're thinking, I love this person, he's great, this, that. You get home and then they start being themselves and you're like, oh, my God. And that's all disappeared. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> one thing that happens <laughs> when we are using media is, A, we tend to fill in the gaps because we can't see the person often mm -hmm. or we can't spend hours with the person. We also often review. We reread the email. We listen to the message. We look at the video, and it keeps the positive affirmation very much alive. So it holds on to a very positive sense of the other. Now, one of the first I, things I thought of was, go ahead, go ahead, Robin. Oh, what I was going to say is, in a way, it's almost like when someone loses one sense, as if they lost their hearing or lost their sight, for example, all of the other senses are are heightened because of that. When we're sitting in the living room, sometimes my husband and I are sitting side by side for a couple of hours. We may not have said a word to each other and we might sort of intimate something like, well, yes, I'm hungry or whatever, but we're not discussing it or we're not verbalizing it or we're not saying, gee, uh, you know, you really worked hard on that project today and I really love how it came out. I, all of this discussion long distance is is sort of heightened because of the lack of the 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 uh, uh, demographic. Absolutely, that's perfect. That's exactly right. It's almost like the more cues you drop by virtue of having to use the media, the more heightened you are to the ones you get. Exactly what you said is true. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, one of the things we yeah, well, we could sort of say to our military couples. A, you really have a means of enhancing the intimacy. Do not rule out the fact that positive communication really does help maintain the stability of your relationship. That's because that's one of the things the findings had when we then asked the couples to rate trust and stability in the relationship. The long-distance folks were equal, if not more, positive mm -hmm. with higher scores in those dynamics. It's interesting, um, 
that another study really helps me make sense of this one, and I just wanted to share that one too. And that came mm -hmm. from the American Psychological Association with very unexpected findings, and that is it sort of revealed that although we need our partners during the worst of times, the rough times, what, come, what we face post-deployment often, it's the mm -hmm. responses to our partners in the best of times that we remember most and we use to buffer the worst of times. Well, isn't that true? And I think sometimes we forget that the people that are the closest to us are the only ones who can really hold us up in those times when we really need them. Dr. Suzanne, we have a break coming up, so I just wanted to uh, make sure that uh, we let everybody know you're going to stay with us through the next segment so we can continue this conversation. I wanted to be sure that everyone knew your website is couplesaftertrauma.com, and you also have a blog, is that correct? That's correct. And yep, that's blogs. called Healing Together for Couples. And Psych we can Central. find that at blogs.psychcentral.com, is that correct? If, literally, if you put in um, Healing Together and Psych Central, you'll see over 180 blogs, many very oh my suited for our military couples. Absolutely. I've been to both uh, sites. They are filled, chock filled with wonderful articles and wonderful support. Be back in a moment with Dr. Suzanne Phillips right here on Military Mom Talk Radio. Are you a military mom looking for help in dealing with the system? Keeping the home fires burning? Well, that's what we're here for. It's Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. And we'll be right back after these. Have you been laid off? Fired, downsized, right-sized, or re-engineered out of a job? Are you unemployed or anticipate that possibility? Then tune in for Successfully Unemployed, hosted by Alan Sherwood, MBA, president of Sherwood Consulting Service. Successfully Unemployed will provide you a hope-filled and comprehensive approach to the job search process from an author who's experienced it all. Alan and his guests will cover all dimensions of a job search, physical tasks, mental attitude, emotional health, even one spiritual perspective. All must be integrated in order for a person to be successfully unemployed so they can then be successfully employed. This show is designed to help you move forward from job loss to finding or creating more fulfilling work. For more on Alan Sherwood, MBA, and the show, check out his website, SuccessfullyUnemployed.com. Then join us for Successfully Unemployed with Alan Sherwood, MBA. Thursday nights at 8, 7 Central here on Toginet.com. Do you feel like when you watch a cooking show or read a food magazine that the recipes are not practical for a busy family? Do you wish you could have a conversation with someone about the best way to get dinner on the table fast after a long day at work? Are you tired of cooking dinner only to have your family turn up their nose and all of your hard work? Do you want to hear more about healthy living and finding more time to find your passion in life? We'll pull up a chair and visit with Heather Tallman, host of Around the Kitchen Sink. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. here on Tugging Radio. 
Like many women, finding balance in life and time to take care of yourself is hard to do. Between managing a career and marriage and children and a busy family schedule, it's hard to maintain a sense of self. And Heather shares how she does it. Check out Heather's website, basilmama.com. Join us for food and a whole lot more on Around the Kitchen Sink with your host, Heather Tallman. Thursday nights at 10 p.m. Central on toginet.com. We'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way. Uncle Sam, put your name at the top of his list. And the Statue of Liberty started shaking. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com. Covering topics to help on the home front with help from those who know how the system works and how to work the system. It's more fun than a sale at the BX. Now let's get back to it. It's Military Mom Talk Radio. Here again are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Military Mom Talk Radio. Earlier in the show, we had Dr. Enders, Dr. Lawrence Enders. He's an MD, a flight surgeon, wrote a wonderful book called Surviving Serendipity. And the top of the show, we welcomed Blythe Lippman, one of the wonderful hosts that we have here on Toganet. She has baby and toddler instructions every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, that is. So do check in with Blythe. And right now, we are chatting with Dr. Susan. Ann Phillips, a licensed psychologist, and we were talking about some of the benefits of uh, long-distance relationships. It's an interesting study that she has just been uh, reading more about and sharing with us. Dr. Phillips, before we get back into our discussion, though, I'd, I want to ask you one thing. What do you think about um, starting something brand new after reintegration when somebody comes home and maybe there's a, a little difficulty getting to know each other again? again because all of a sudden you're living with each other again something like ballroom dancing or gourmet cooking classes for two what do you think about those kinds of things well it's one of the things we actually suggest in the book healing together for couples when you talk about couples relating you think about different domains one of them is actually doing something together mm-hmm. and robin what's interesting about some doing something new together is it sort of goes like this and this is why sometimes you have people falling in love in office places so if you're doing something with someone and i remember my husband and i we were just newly married and we came out here to long island and we took this outdoor ballroom dancing Oh, no, it's actually hustle dancing. And oh, wow. So, of course, the hustle music, this is the 70s. The hustle music is going. Everybody's tr- tangled up trying to beat John Travolta. I'm really <laughs> aging myself. And people were screaming, you're breaking my arm, you're, you're, you're hurting my foot. But we had a ball. And for that time, everything else sort of disappears. The beauty mm-hmm. of something like dancing or kayaking or is that when you always tie in physical with a as well as time shared, it's very, very um, valuable. But when you do something together, it goes something like this. Inevitably, if you've shared an experience, you've had experiential intimacy, you refer to it. So now you have something to talk about. Now the communication ratchets up because this is what would happen in an office if you were working on a project. So now you're talking together about the ballroom dancing and the fact that maybe you're starting to get it or wasn't that other couple hilarious or you're practicing (laughs) at home a little. And inevitably, if you do something enough with someone and you talk enough with someone, you're going to start touching that person. And then Mm -hmm. pretty soon, in a much more natural way, the tenderness, 
and the, I call it dancing in the dark, the pillow talk and the intimacy starts to naturally and in full, with far less pressure unfold. Mm-hmm. It is difficult, I think, when people come back. They are going to be a little different and and I'm saying that with the most respect possible um, nobody can go away and not come back with some differences and it's difficult for the family because there are times that um, what that person used to enjoy they aren't enjoying anymore or the habits that the person had before they are not um, continuing anymore and I think talking as a family about it or with someone such as yourself is so important and we've talked uh, how important this is for families to process this as a family not just assume the one person who is just reintegrated is going to go go to the doctor and be the same as they were before Well, the reason I think what you're saying is so valid is because we've got to realize, and I'm going to be doing in two weeks a camp for military children that I do every year, Mm. and it's wonderful, and sometimes wisdom comes from the children's comments. Not only is our military mom or dad uh, who's been deployed, not only have they inevitably had to change, so have the folks at home. So, you know, when I think about coming home, I think everybody's coming home in a new way to find each other and redefine the dynamics of the family. So that when you hear children saying, you know, that what was so great is that dad showed me on the map where he was and we loved hearing his stories. Or for, I hear sometimes couples say, and you probably have certainly heard this more than I, there's, of course, that first honeymoon period where everyone's so ecstatic, everything's wonderful. Mm. Sometimes mm-hmm. even the intimacy is wonderful. We get into four months, and sometimes we start to have some symptoms emerge, and it, it really sometimes very much offsets the connection because now the, the returning uh, vet, veteran or military um, person is starting to feel where are these coming from. The partner may get anxious. So the more, I mean, I'm all about us knowing and wanting them to know these are inevitable. Mm -hmm. We're going to deal with them. The symptoms make sense. But let's keep talking. Now, sometimes we can say to folks, talk, it's not so easy. And we've Mm -hmm. said to couples, um, as well as couples with their children, let's sometimes ask the children to ask us both questions. How did mommy change? How did daddy change? Most importantly, how did the pet change? How did you change? The children can talk about sometimes they want people to hear them catch up on what's happened in school, how they took on new roles when mom or dad were deployed. So I think sometimes a safer base is to give the children the attention and invite them to talk. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always supporting the couples having time. Either one couple, they did a great thing, Robin. They um, they both kept notes while the other was away. They didn't share this on the phone or with text messages. And then when they came back, she was actually she was actually an Air Force um, officer. When they and he also was in the military, they sort of would pick anything up out of their diary and just read it to the other to give the other a glimpse of some of what went on and a little bit of a glimpse of their new self. And it was a very nice starting point. If a couple doesn't have that and they don't feel so comfortable talking, 
even watching a movie together can start them talking and start relating it to themselves. But your point is a great one. The whole family dynamic changes, and not necessarily for, for, for a negative. When people mm-hmm. don't have the familiar, they tend to think the new way is not a good way, and that's not necessarily true at all. I, I can appreciate that very much because maybe there was an experience that the people, the, the, those staying home had, maybe they were more self-sufficient or their self-esteem was built because they were able to manage the finances and be able to call the plumber when the toilet backed up or whatever. Maybe those were things that the people at home never had to do and now have that strength. And yet... Um, the person who's just come home can say, oh, good, now I don't have to bear all of the household burdens on my shoulders. They, they can actually come, come home and, and share the, the, the household, I guess you could say. That's just an example. But I think that's, that's kind of what we're looking at is positive changes. Yes, the, the, role, the role changes are a really great one for people to sort of let them flesh out a little nobody's taking your role as dad away because they fixed the plumbing while you were gone and no one's taking your role as mom away. One mom was in Iraq while dad was doing the three-year-old birthday. Yeah, and she said, I, right. have to I had this urge, so I started going online looking at what I could send for what the costume should be. But they were they had it all set, she said. And, but, you know, it, we get a little threatened sometimes. But as you say, if you can celebrate, and in fact, that was the other study, when you affirm what your partner did while you were away, it's called capitalization. You double it. Because now they not only did that birthday, and you not only came home, or you not only did things while you were away that were remarkable maybe to you in service, Hearing about it and having your partner affirm you about it now expands it. And that's a really mm-hmm. good way to start bridging the story from afar and the story that takes place at home. That's so marvelous. Uh, we've already come very close to the end of the show. We've only got about three minutes. One, one quick question. Why should people address these uh, reintegrations with a professional? I know so many times, and in, especially in past generations, troops will come home and say, oh, I'm going to tough it out. They don't want to have, uh, have to deal with professionals. Why should we talk this out with you? A, because it's actually a very understandable dilemma that most people are in. Reintegration is not an easy thing. And when there is a third party in the room or a fourth or fifth if the family is brought in, you get the benefit of having someone observe you. It is like someone observing you dancing. You can't observe Mm -hmm. yourself dancing. So they're Mm -hmm. able to see at a distance what's happening that actually might make sense but is now really derailing some of the integration. A very recent study said that the closer the couple, the more likely they are to seek help when they realize they have family concerns and that our young military, Iraq and Afghanistan, vets are more likely to seek couple therapy than our older vets just because they, they grew up at different times, they have more of an Uh, kind of peer relationship so they're really trying to think of how they can encourage our older vets but 
Robin, you make such a good point because I've seen couples don't have to stay in treatment for long. Sometimes they come and they literally are just listening to me repeat back to each other what the other is saying, but be it anxiety or stress or fear, they can hardly hear each other. I'm not saying anything different. I'm just just saying it a few inches away. That's so wonderful. Dr. Phillips, we have to say goodbye, Suzanne Phillips. Uh, Please find more of her wonderful observations and her wonderful conversations at couplesaftertrauma.com. Thanks, Dr. Phillips. Joining us next week is Dr. Jody Bramer. Be sure to tune in. She always has something great to share with us, and I know she's got something new to share with you. Thanks for being with us this hour. We'll look for you again next week on Military Mom Talk Radio. Thank you for being part of Military Mom Talk Radio on toginet.com with Robin Boyd and Sandra Beck, the owner of Motherhood Incorporated. Military Mom Talk Radio is here each week to provide a powerful platform for women to discuss their ideas, issues, and concerns with respect to the military lifestyle. For more information on the show or Sandra and Robin, go to militarymomtalkradio.com. This is their mission helping military moms. So join us again next Monday for Military Mom Talk Radio with Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd, Monday afternoons, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Toginet. <laughs>